Lord's good, isn't he? Yeah, I, I just spent the, the few days with the grandkids. That was a lot of fun, and I'm really tired. God, God is so good. And then I uh, got in last night about 7 and went home, changed clothes, and headed down to the gym and had a great time. They had about 60 young people down there, and they were all dressed in their, their formal gowns and their ties. And it was just really refreshing to see young people all dressed up, and they had a place to go. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just awesome. So uh, I'm excited about that. Let me, let me ask you a question. If you knew that your time was short, what would be your last words to your loved ones? Isn't that a great question? January 2nd, 2006, West Virginia, Sago Mine. The crew had just got back from, from the New Year's. And it was January 2nd, and there, had, there was a, a group that had gone in, and they decided that the mine was safe, so they went in. And, and as a crew of 13 was going in, a lightning strike hit near the mine and exploded with some methane gas and trapped 13 miners in the mine for 41 hours. For those 41 hours, they, they had to deal with carbon monoxide. And after 24, 25, 26 hours, many of them realized they were not getting out. In fact, only one survived. So they decided that what they would do was was to write down on whatever they could find their last words to their loved ones. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in that situation? And you know that the death that they're getting ready uh, to face is, is one that they're just going to simply fall asleep. Many of them told their loved ones, I am fine I am just tired. I'm going to sleep. But there was a foreman, Martin Toller Jr., and he had a pamphlet in his pocket of an insurance policy, and he took it out, and he had a pencil with him, and all in that pamphlet, he began to scribble his last words to his family. And he simply said this, tell all, I will see them on the other side. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that a powerful message? Tell all, I will see them on the other side. I started thinking about that a lot and what my last words might be. I think about our, the times that we live in and, and the circumstances that in the world. And, and you say, well, most of the time these things, they just kind of come and then they go. And, and then we have a, a season of prosperity and then we have another difficult time in, 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 uh, in either in politics or in, in our culture or in, in the environment or whatever it may be. But I, I realize that, that one of these times it's not going to change. 
And it will be the time that the Lord comes back. And it could very well be that this is the time. You say, well, Pastor, are you telling me that the Lord's coming back? I'm going to tell you he's coming back. Yes, he is. And it's one day closer than it was yesterday. I don't know when. No one knows the day nor the hour, but we can look and we can see, check the temperature and we can see that, that it doesn't take much. And, and in that culture, in that environment, uh, and not just for yourself, what would you say to those around you, to your loved ones, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to, innocent, to bystanders that you just come in contact with, what would you say to them if you knew the Lord was coming back tomorrow? Isn't that powerful? A powerful thought. Paul knew that his time was short. And he began to pin words to, to those that, that were around him. And, he, and one of those found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. Timothy was more than likely uh, saved during his first missionary trip. He was blessed and anointed by Paul in his second one. And Timothy became his right-hand person. And here's Paul, and he knows, he knows he's getting ready to end his life, to have his life ended. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I've spoken on some of this before, but he said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my, for my departure is near. Paul knows that he is getting ready to leave this earth. But notice the way he says it. He says, I'm ready. Uh, there is no fear. There's no doubt. There's no regret. And there is a place in Christ that you and I as believers can get to. There is a place where you do not fear death. I'm going to say it again. There is a place that you can find in Christ, but it's beyond the flesh. It's beyond the, the fear of this body dying because this body was made to be eternal and it doesn't like death and it fears death, but there is a place in Christ when your spirit is stronger than your flesh and even though your flesh does not want to die, you can say within your soul, it is well. That is the hope and the passion of every believer to get to the place where, where you say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I had the honor and privilege of, of pastoring a, a, young, a lady named Ellen Smith, and an amazing woman of God, loved the Lord. I remember during her, her uh, last moments in the hospital I went to visit her and I talked to her for a while and she just looked over at me and I'll never forget the words that she said she said pastor I need to be going and within 30 minutes she was gone no fear in fact if you knew Ellen it was more like pastor I need to be going so you go I'm okay. 
Paul said, I'm ready. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. That drink offering was an an accompaniment. It was a a compliment to the sacrifice that was given. And Paul is saying, listen, my life is being poured out. Christ is pouring me out. I have lived as a compliment to Christ. I wonder how many of us can actually say that, that in our lives today, are we living as a compliment to Christ? Uh, Is our life a compliment to what Christ is doing in the world? He said, I'm being poured out. It's not my life. It's the life that I have given to the Lord, and he is just pouring me out. It's time for me to leave. He said, and my time for departure is near. And if you look at that that phrase in, in the Greek, it simply means it's the same phrase they used to take the tent stakes up when they were going to move the tent or or the same thing when they loosed the ship from its moorings. What he was saying is, I'm going to transition. Isn't that amazing? And here he is. He says, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've already been poured out. I'm a comp- my life has been a compliment to Christ. And he is getting ready to take up my tent stakes and move me. Paul said to the church in Corinth once, he said, when he's talking about this life, he said, this life, this tent, this body, that's all it is, is a tent. But the one to come is your brick and mortar home. Isn't that amazing? Don't you love that? Let's go on. He said, I'm already ready. And, and, and then he goes on to tell Timothy three things that helped him get where he was, where he had no fear, where he was ready to go meet the Lord. And the very first one, he says, I fought, I have fought the good fight. Notice in the first two, with his life, he said, the Lord is pouring me out. It's not me. I'm passive. He's the one that's doing the action. He's pouring me out and he's moving me. I have nothing to do with with those. I I have surrendered my life and he can do with it whatever he wants. And he says, uh, he's pouring me out and he's getting ready to to loose the moorings and, and allow me to go into eternity with him. But he said, the reason why I'm there, Timothy, is because I have fought the good fight. Active. He has done the fighting. He has He is the one that has given it all. Notice he doesn't say, I have won the fight, or or, I was number one, or I was number two. Uh, He just simply says, I have fought the good fight. I have taken and contended with what the Lord has allowed me to go through. I have fought the darkness. I have fought the adversary. I have fought myself. I have stayed in the game. What Paul was really saying is it's, he's alluding to, uh, to those, those boxers that he said, I have left everything on the field. I have given it every bit of my strength. You know, Paul, Paul is not saying that, that you know, he's going to win every battle, but he's saying, when I was out there, I gave it everything I had. Are we giving our lives everything we have to him? Ronnie Lott, which played for the 49ers, go Niners, um, back in 1985, 
in the last game of the season against the Dallas Cowboys, he broke his little finger in the game. And the doctors said, well, you know, there's two options for you, Ronnie. We can either put a, a rod in that finger and tape it up and put it in a cast and you're going to miss four to six weeks. But he realized that the very next week was the playoffs. And he said, well, doctor, what is my second option? He said, we can cut off the tip of your finger and tape it up and you can play. And he said, I'll take option B. Now, I'm not saying go cut the end of your finger off. But what I am saying, he was dedicated to his game. And, and he left everything. He did everything he could to stay and to compete. He was the boxer that stood to the end of the match. We, are we willing to suffer loss? Are we willing to endure to the end? A.B. Simpson left everything that he had known in the Presbyterian church to follow and pursue the will of God for his life. And he gave up, he gave up finance and he gave up a secure future to follow the passion in his heart because the fight that the Lord had put him in was on a different course than what his life was already on. Where are we? Are we willing to leave it all on the field? That's what Paul's is telling Timothy, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. Timothy, if you want to get to the place that, that you can be as I am, that you're ready to meet the Lord with no fear, then, then leave it all on the field. Fight the good fight. Give it every bit of strength you have. He went on to say, not only have I fought the good fight, but I have finished the race. I finished I didn't go three-quarters of the way. I didn't go seven-ninths uh, of the way. I just finished the race. You realize that everybody has a race to run? Everybody has a race to run. You say, well, I'm not much of a runner. The Lord, notice that Paul does not say, I came in first. The idea is not about winning the race. It's about finishing the race. The Lord never calls us to be number one. He just says, finish the race. It's endurance. It's not as much about winning as it is about finishing. You ever run? You ever run? Like really run? Like when you were in high school and the PE coach would make you run? Or if you're in football practice and off season and they make you run? And, you, and you're running and you're running and you're running and then you get this thing called a a runner's side ache. Remember, you ever have one of those? Boy, they hurt. And then there's a conversation that starts going on in your mind. And it says, simply says this, you know, I could stop and walk a little bit and I'd be okay. I could quit this race right now and I'd be okay. But there's this other voice in your head that says, I really want to be on this team. And I really want to be on the starting team. So I'm going to endure this side ache, and I'm going to run through this side ache, and I'm going to keep on going because I want to be part of that team. There, there is something about the Apostle Paul when he said, I have 
finished the race. That race required patience, determination, and endurance. And Paul said, I have finished my race with patience, I have finished my race with determination, and I have finished my race with endurance. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says, Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed with so great a crowd of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily weigh us down, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God. He said, Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said, you need to lay aside everything that hinders us running the race. Whether it is a sin, whether it's a bad attitude, whether it's a, a bad uh, whatever it may be, if it's holding us back, if it's keeping us from pursuing the cross, if it's keeping us per from pursuing Christ in our life, we need to lay it down. Because the only thing it does, it hinders you. You ever watch a, a track meet? Have you ever seen a, a, an athlete, a track star, running with combat boots? Or a backpack? They don't do it because those things encumber them. It keeps them from running as efficiently as they can. The writer of Hebrews, more than likely, Paul, simply says, lay aside everything that is hindering you. If it keeps you from pursuing Christ, lay it down. If it keeps you from being uh, in the right attitude or the right frame of mind, lay it down. If it's something that is weighing you down that you can't, can't seem to, to uh, carry, lay it down and allow yourself to be free to run without anything hindering you. And he goes on to say, and look unto Jesus. Where is Jesus? He's at the finish line. Look at the finish line. Get your perspective on Christ. Keep your eyes focused on Him. Don't focus on where you're at right now. A lot of times we can, when you're running, we have a tendency to look where our feet are going. We need to look up here. And when we look up here, it gives us a right perspective. When you're driving and you're looking here, you don't get to see up here and it causes wrecks. If you're trying to water ski, if you're staring at your feet, you'll never get up. But when you look up, that's when your body will lift up. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look where you are. Look where you're going. Keep going. Keep, keep looking. And, and he says, there is a great crowd of witnesses that are cheering you on. Don't you love that? That, that 
those that are in the past, those that we read about in the Gospels, those that we have never seen, but those of your loved ones that have already passed into eternity, he, the writer says, they're cheering us on. They're saying, you can finish this race. You can keep on going. Come on. Come on. Let's go. You can make that last lap. You can keep going. It's just right in front of you. This life is short, and you need to realize that if you keep your eyes on the prize, it's going to be a great reward. Man, if we could just hear those that are already there, if you could hear your loved ones that are already there, they would say, it's worth the risk. It's worth the race. It's worth walk, running through the side ache. It's worth laying aside those things that, that don't really matter anyway and keep your eyes on the Lord. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Kept the faith. Simply means this. I played by the rules. I played by the rules. Do you realize that how you play is just as important as that you played? You say, well, what does uh, that have to do with it? Well, we've, we've had... Men and women uh, in leadership in, in our country, in, in countries around the world, that have had a lot of intellect and zero character. Intellect will get you so far, but character will carry you all the way through. And what Paul is trying to express to Timothy and, he, and what he's is saying to you and I is keep the faith. When Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and if you do these things, you will fulfill all the commandments. He is simply saying, play by the rules. In any circumstance you find yourself in, love God, love people. If you find yourself in a difficult place, love God, love people. Treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself. Walk that extra mile. Do what you need to do and, and when you are walking through this life play by the rules that he has laid out for us keep your personal integrity treat your enemies with kindness love God love his church and bless people he says Timothy if you do that if you keep the faith if you keep trusting in the Lord if you keep loving God keep loving people it doesn't matter at the end at the end you'll have fought the good fight and you'll have finished your race and you have kept the faith and then he goes on to say there is a crown of righteousness that goes to all and look at that i'm going to ask our praise team to come back crown of righteousness that goes to all all not to the ones that just win, but to the ones that finish. But he goes on to say one other thing. But also to all who have longed for his appearing. You notice, isn't that an amazing phrase? Longed for his appearing. We used to sing a song that says, Oh, I want to see him. 
look upon his face. I wonder, sometimes, sometimes this life can get us to the place where we are longing for other things and we're not longing for the Lord's appearing. But when we, when we have that fresh in our mind and when we understand that, that the goal of this life is to see the Lord face to face. Do you think that anything that you've ever experienced in this life, no matter how great or how, how hard or how difficult, no matter how much joy it brought you or how much pain it brought you, do you think that anything anything in this life is going to compare to seeing Jesus face to face. And for him, the king of glory, to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. My friends, we are, we are in a great time this is the greatest time in history to live. And you say, well, why is that? Because God has chosen us to live in this time. If he would have wanted you to be a cowboy in the 1800s, you would have been a cowboy in the 1800s. If he would have wanted you in the 1700s, you would have been in the 1700s. If he wanted you to, to be in the 1950s, you would have been in the 1950s. But here you are in 2021, and God has placed you here, and he says, I want you to run the race. You have what it takes because he has said you have what it takes. Can I encourage you? Let's run the race with patience. Let's look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's keep the faith. Let's do what is right. And there's going to be that day when you get to stare in the face of Jesus Christ, the one that saved you and pardoned you and healed you and granted you eternal life. And he wipes the tears from your eyes. My friends, that crown of righteousness that he is going to give you as he gave the apostle Paul, you know what you're going to do with it? You're going to throw it at his feet and you're going to say, you are worthy. Get the crown so you can worship him. My friends, there is nothing in this world, nothing greater than knowing the Lord. Let's fight the good fight. Let's finish the race. Let's keep the faith. Would you stand with me?